Welcome to First Reading Podcast, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for preachers and anyone else interested in the Hebrew Bible. I'm Rachel Wren. And I'm Tim McNinch. In just a couple weeks, we're going to have Dr. Vanessa Lovelace with us for one of our full-length episodes of First Reading, but this week we're doing another of our little bite-sized sort of uh, amuse-bouche episodes, and uh, we're going to be taking a look at the lectionary passage for today, which is Isaiah chapter 55, uh, first, what, 15 verses or so? Is that right? Uh, First nine verses. First nine verses. Good enough. Yes, yes. No, no, never. Do the whole (laughs) chapter. That's a rant I'll go on in a couple of minutes. But for now, just a little bit of historical context before we get into today's text. Um, The book of Isaiah spans a huge time range, justifiably uh, 150 to 200 years. It's in three chunks. First Isaiah chapters 1 through 39, second Isaiah chapters 40 to 55, and third Isaiah chapters 56 to 66. Now, we believe that each of these three different chunks comes from three different time periods in Israel's history. And the section we're dealing with today, 2nd Isaiah, comes towards the end of what we would call the exilic period. This is after Israel has been taken captive by Babylon, but now their captors have been conquered by another people called the Persians, and they are being set free to return back home to Jerusalem. Our chapter for today, chapter 55, is the last chapter of this second Isaiah section. And so it's this kind of glorious summit to end second Isaiah. Uh, And do yourself a favor when you preach on this, do not stop at verse nine. There's only four more verses in the whole chapter, and they are some of the most beautiful verses in the whole Hebrew Bible. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Include this in your biblical reading, reference it in your sermon, and then use it as your benediction. Include them, you won't regret it. I will. You you better, (laughs) Tim. You better. So... Let's start off with some linguistic notes. Uh, this passage starts with one of Tim's favorite words. Hey. Oh, come on. Do the Hebrew. Hoy. 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 <laughs> this is an onomatopoeic interjection. It's a word that is intended to sound like what it is. Um, and it's essentially just to get your attention. Um, translators like to use the very sophisticated ho but uh, you can also think of it along the lines of like Will Ferrell's impression of Harry Carey on Saturday Night Live. The, hey! <laughs> All right. Hey! Hey! Okay, I'll be done now. So it starts with hoy, and then it continues with the speaker, who is God, imploring people who are hungry and thirsty to not spend their money for that which will not satisfy them. There are some nice resonances here with John 4, the story of Jesus and the woman at the well, who really was one of the first examples of nevertheless she persisted. Mm -hmm. Now, a preaching pitfall, of course, would be to jump too quickly to the New Testament story and to leave the rest of this gorgeous text untouched. But mentioning that story here might give your hearers in your congregation some nice layers to this text that are a little more familiar. Now, there's some gorgeous body imagery in this text, and anybody who knows me know that I am a scholar of the Psalms, and I'm also very interested in body imagery in the Bible. So, just a few fun little nuggets you might want to throw in your sermon. Verse 3 has one of my favorite body images. Listen to me. 
which gets translated as incline your ear. Again, very genteel and sophisticated sounding, but it's really something more along the lines of stretch out your ear. And it's this great image of a neck angled to the side, reaching forward, straining to catch every syllable from the lips of the divine one. I can't help but picture the extendable ears in Harry yeah, Potter, right. yeah, <laughs> the exactly. Weasley brothers. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two points to whoever includes Harry Potter in your text for the Sunday too. Uh, and then verse three has this this phrase, which again kind of covers up the physical reality that it's describing. You shall be revived. And what it actually says is your nephesh shall be revived. And nephesh is a Hebrew word often translated as soul in poetic texts. But what it really refers to in its physical reality is your throat. But not your speaking throat. It means your guttural throat, your thirsting, weeping, laughing throat. When Hannah is crying in the temple because of her barrenness, it says that she pours out her nephesh. When the psalmist talks about being in trouble and you read something like, I am in deep despair, often that I will actually read in Hebrew, my nephesh is in deep despair. Sometimes it seems to mean something along the lines of a soul, this disembodied reality, but very rarely. More often, what it seems to mean is something like the ultimate, mortal, vulnerable essence of being human. Sylvia Schroer and Thomas Staubli have a really delightful little book called Body Symbolism in the Bible, Mm -hmm. and they call the nephesh the needy, greedy human. And I kind of like that. So as for preaching angel, (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) For preaching angles, first, God's concern for our bodies and our mortal core. What is the thirst of your nephesh? And how is God offering to slake that in your life? Secondly, this is a good text to preach on if you took my call to arms from last week and talked about the covenant image in Genesis. Uh, Because here... The exiles are promised a brit olam, an everlasting covenant, one that even includes the steadfast love that had been promised to David. And this is important because here where the exiles are, that promise seems suddenly abandoned because their monarch is gone. Their king is gone. They have no more royal throne. And so a brit olam, an everlasting covenant, is taking that chesed to David, taking that steadfast love that was promised to David and sort of democratizing it to the people as a whole, extending it to the entire holy community. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next week as we continue to march towards our full-length episode with Dr. Lovelace in a couple of weeks. And while you're at it, head over to firstreadingpodcast.com. That's where you'll find out more about our guests and about the themes that we raise in our episodes here. You can see what's uh, been going on and what's coming up. And uh, until next time, thanks for listening. hear my translation of Isaiah 55? Sure. Hey! (laughs) All you thirsty, come to the water. And whoever has no silver, come. Get grain. Eat. 
come get grain without silver and without price, wine and milk. Why would you weigh out silver for what's not bread and your effort for what doesn't satisfy? Listen, listen to me. Mm. Eat well. Your life will pamper itself with abundance. Strain your ears. Come to me. Listen so your lives may be revived. Let me cut with you an enduring covenant, like the permanent loyalties to David. Look, I made him a witness to nations, a leader and commander of nations. Look, you will call to a people you don't know. A people that doesn't know you will run to you because of Adonai, your God. And to the Holy One of Israel who has glorified you. Seek out Adonai, who for now may be found. Call to the one for, uh, who for now is near. Let the evil abandon their way and the wicked their schemes. Let them return to Adonai, who will have mercy on them, to our God who will abundantly pardon. For my schemes are not your schemes, and your ways are not my ways, testifies Adonai. For as the sky is higher than the land, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my schemes than your schemes. As the rain and snow come down from the sky and will not return there, but saturate the land and cause it to reproduce and grow so that it will yield seed for sowing and bread for eating, so will be my word that will go out from my mouth. It won't return to me empty-handed, but will have done that which I pleased and will have prospered those to whom I sent it. For in joy you shall go out and in peace you shall be escorted. The mountains and the hills will cheer in your presence. And all of the trees of the field will applaud. In place of the thorn bush will come up the cypress, and in place of the nettle will come up the myrtle tree. It will be a legacy for Adonai, an enduring sign that will not be cut off. Mm. Amen. That's great. <laughs>